Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Well, this is our closing service, I think, on this series. We've been been in for uh, several weeks. been in a series called Rebuilding and Restoring. And I believe that God has been rebuilding and restoring some lives every week. As a matter of fact, the last 10 days, I've had more conversations with people in our church who have been coming to me telling me about how God has been rebuilding and restoring certain elements of their life. And I just believe we're, on, we're in a season where that's going to continue to happen more and more. And so the first week of Nehemiah, we talked about how God has a holy purpose for each of us. There is an ought to our lives, things that we ought to be doing for the Lord. And really, they're not going to be done unless we do those things for God. And there are certain parts of our life that aren't going to be filled unless we step out in faith and do those things for God, which is what point two or chapter two was about, is about doing things for God. Chapter three was about understanding that God calls us to things that are bigger than ourselves. But when we come smack dab into the, the will of God, which is bigger than us, we discover that God is bigger than those things that are in front of us. And so we're fast forwarding all the way to chapter eight. And that's where we're going to jump in this morning. And I, I shared with you this thought about probably around chapter four, and I've kind of been making mention of it every week. And here's the thought that, you know, Nehemiah, if you missed the last few weeks, Nehemiah, whole, the whole book is about this guy who left. Uh, he, he had been a captive slave taken to a faraway land from his homeland. But he found out at his home in Jerusalem, the wall around the city, which is the mechanism for security, uh, that had been broken down. So Nehemiah heard about the wall. He felt like, man, God put it in his heart. He ought to do something. So he traveled 800 miles back back home, and he led the city that had been in devastation and ruins, had been, the, uh, been basically just having to live on the leftovers of the enemy for decades. He led them, and what cannot be rebuilt, this wall that cannot be rebuilt for years and years and years, they rebuilt it for 52 days. And I shared with you a few weeks ago that that building the wall was just part of the story. That what God was trying to secure around the outside was actually because he wanted to do something spiritual on the inside. And that's true in your life and my life. God calls us to get the peripheral things of our life in order so that he can pour his blessings on the inside of our life. And instead of being wasted and spilled out, we can contain it. All right. And so now we're in chapter 8. And we're, we're picking up on that theme. And here's what it says in chapter 1. I'm sorry, chapter 8, verse 1. It says, All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They looked at Ezra, the teacher of the law, to, and they said, Bring out the book of the law of Moses, which was the scripture they had in those days, as the Lord commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which is made up of men and women, all who, uh, all who were able to understand. And he read it aloud from daybreak to noon. So if you've ever thought I was long-winded or I preached too long, just remember this guy, okay? From daybreak to noon, the guy is preaching. And, uh, and he began to preach and make it to where others could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law, Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood high on a wooden platform that was built just for this occasion. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and I pray that you will continue rebuilding and restoring what the enemy has broken and injured. 
And God, you've been doing so much building and restoring in our church the last, not just the last few weeks, but the last few years, and we know you're not done. So we want to make room for more and more of your activity. We want to make room for more and more of what you want to do in this place in our lives. So you just welcome that this morning. God, I pray you'll help me to speak what you want spoken above my own ability. So let it be your words and not my words so that we can hear and respond to what you're saying to us. And we'll give you thanks for it. Amen. So in the beginning, we discovered Nehemiah had one mission, build the wall. But as that mission was completed, now we find that he's not going home, he's not quitting, but the mission continues. The walls are built, the gates are hung, the security forces are in place. It seems like everything on the outside that was supposed to be accomplished has been accomplished, but yet there's still something lacking. And that something was the main thing, the Spirit of God that he wanted to pour into their lives in the first place, the, the season of, of Jerusalem and the people of God being attacked and, and being exploited by the enemy is over. But now God wants to do something different. I, I think some of us in this room need to just declare that the season of our life where we're exploited by the enemy is over. How many decided that I'm not going to be exploited by the enemy any longer? Amen. That's what the wall was all about, is we're not going to let the enemy kill, steal, and destroy us any longer. That's what the whole wall was about, where we're putting an end to the exploitation of the enemy. And friends, as long as we give him room, as long as there's disobedience in our, disobedience in our lives, then every act of disobedience towards God is an opportunity for the enemy to bring destruction. But the people of God, they, they've built the wall, they've hung the doors, they're saying, no more will we... Will we be, be exploited by the enemy? But yet now there's a different shift. Instead of just guarding against the enemy, now they're hungry for God. I hope that we don't just have a desire to keep the exploitation away. I also hope we have a hunger for God. Amen. We have a hunger for God to fill our lives. And that's what happens in chapter 8. There's a hunger that has developed within the lives of your people. And you may wonder, well, where did, where did this... Where did this hunger come from? I mean, where, where did it start? I think maybe it started with just the arrival of Nehemiah. Someone stood among them that said, hey, listen, we don't have to live this way. God has something better for them. And after a series of weeks and possibly months, they finally got it through their head that, man, God does have for more for us. He does want something for us. And what happens, if you want to go this afternoon and read chapter 8 and chapter 9 and chapter 10, after this wall is built, what happens could be called, be called the greatest spiritual awakening in the Old Testament. I mean, chapter 8, chapter 9, the people just respond and respond and respond to the Word of God like no other time perhaps in the Old Testament Scripture. And God shows up. He does this deep, penetrating, life-changing, life-altering work among them. And I hope that today we have a desire for such work inside of us. I hope we have a desire to God to fill us like never before. I hope we have a desire not just to keep the world at bay, but keep the Spirit of God close to us. We're not trying to survive till the end. We're trying to live this life full of God's hope, full of God's Spirit, so that we can be everything that God's called us to be. And there's, there's two different thoughts when I talk about a spiritual awakening and by the way, this morning, the title of this sermon is simply Inviting a Spiritual Breakthrough. It's something that we all need in our lives. 
And there's kind of two concepts when it comes to spiritual breakthroughs. There's two different opinions that I find uh, in people's minds. The first opinion is this, that a spiritual breakthrough is kind of like winning the lottery. You just go through life hoping that your number is called and that you're in the right place at the right time when God decides to zap a certain place with his spirit. And God is God, and he can move where he wants to move, when he wants to move, without our permission. Absolutely, God can do that. But I find that that is actually more the exception rather than the rule. What the rule is, more often in Scripture, is you find that God responds to his people. God shows up where there are hungry people. God shows up where people have prepared a place for him to dwell. God shows up when people cry out to him and say, Lord, my life is not enough without you. When people say, Lord, you are the vine and I'm just a branch and without you I am absolutely nothing, so fill my life. I've got to be connected to you. It's when people cry out to the Lord that he fills their life. See, in James, James says this principle like this. He says, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Nehemiah, the people, experienced this great awakening, this great spiritual infusion. And all these things happen that that you read, and you have to read and decide, is what's happening because... God is responding to them, or is what happening because they're responding to God? And I believe that we're going to discover this morning that what God does is a response of people. Like in 2 Chronicles, he says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and, and confess their sins, then he says, Then I will hear from heaven, and I'll forgive their lands, and I'll heal their land, I'll forgive their sins and their... I'll heal their lands. What's that saying? God says, I'm going to respond to you. And too much, too many people today are waiting for God to do something so they can respond to him. And what you've done is you've put, you've pushed pause on your spiritual breakthrough. You've pushed pause on what God wants to do in your life. I love how you're shouting. I think that lets me know I'm on the right track this morning. Well, Pastor, why would people think that way? Or maybe you're like, you know, Pastor, that's kind of how I've always thought. I thought I've just been waiting like, like God's a bus. I'm just waiting on him to show up and, and pour out stuff where I happen to be living. You know why people like to believe that way? Because it's easier. Because there's no pressure on me. I'm just trying to get to the right place at the right time so I can receive from God. But these people, they didn't wait Nehemiah didn't wait. The people of God didn't wait for God to do something. They began to say, we're going to do what God honors, and we're going to keep doing what pleases God, because I know if we will honor him, then he will honor us with his presence. And that's exactly what happens. I'm praying, God, make us a church that honors you, that honors your presence, that honors your names, that puts first those things that you say to put first, and that our church is so attractive that the Spirit of God cannot help but flow in and flow through every single day. I'm praying, God, do not let your presence be an occasional thing. Don't let a spiritual awakening be something that comes and goes, but let it be something that comes and stays. Every moment of our kids' lives, every moment of our life, let's have a church of generational experience with God. 
Somebody asked me, Pastor, would you please put into articulation exactly what the vision of our church is? I could spend a lot of hours. I could talk to you about our church motto that we exist so that we can be a catalyst of spiritual transformation here at home and around the world because that really is the heartbeat of our church but what it but it really what even that boils down to is that we want our church to be a place where the spirit of God dwells and flows and ministers not just one day but every day but friends that doesn't happen because we wait on it that happens because we make his presence a priority every single day so what did these people do here's the question I want a spiritual breakthrough. I know we all want, we all go through seasons. I, I, think, I think we go through two seasons. Seasons that we know we need a spiritual breakthrough. And seasons that we need a spiritual breakthrough and we just don't know it yet. Right? Because we're all always needing more of the Lord, right? And so how did these men and women, how did this group of God's people welcome this supernatural move of God in their midst. There are several things they did. Number one was they sought God together. Verse number one of Nehemiah chapter eight says they came together as one. You know, in Acts chapter two, on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God showed up in the New Testament like never before, kind of the, the initiation of the early church, the scripture says this, that the, when the day of Pentecost was come, listen to these two phrases. It says they were in one accord and in one place. There are certain translations, usually I don't care what translation the Bible used, but there are certain translations that I think kind of minimize the reality of what happened on that first day of Pentecost. Some, some translations just simply says that they were in the same room. But I like the, the original translation, if you'll go back to it, doesn't, it's not just talking about being in the same place. How many know you can be in the same place but not be in unity? Any married people in the room? You know, sometimes you can be in the same bed and not be, right? You're on that side of the bed and she's on this side of the bed. And the 18-wheeler comes driving down the middle. I mean, you're in the same bed, but you're not, you're not together, right? You're, you're still upset because he didn't pick up the dishes or she didn't whatever. You know, it's, okay, you're too spiritual to have those moments. Me too. Me too. I don't know anything about it, but I've, I've read stories about it. I'm just, I'm just saying, there's something about when God's people come together. When God's people decide that what God has for us is greater and more important than any differences between us. You know, we've all heard stories about division in churches over carpet color, paint color, worship style, worship service, all these different personal preferences. And, and, and sometimes, sometimes I've told people about little, little divisions I've, I've been in, in different churches. It's kind of amusing later how we make minor things into major deals. But the people of God, they made the main thing the main thing. They worship God together. Listen, if you want to move of God in relationship, Seek God together. If you want to move a God in your business, seek God together there. If you want to move a God in our church, then, then we got to seek God together. If you want to move a God in your family, seek God there. Psalms 33 talks about how good it is 
when people gather together in unity, that in that place is like the anointing comes down, like the anointing that was on Aaron's beard. It's like flows down. It just says, the the, the word kind of teaches this, that there is a different atmosphere and environment that happens where people are gathered together in the name of Jesus. I'll just say say it like this. Nothing brings a spiritual awakening like people who are in unity of spirit. And nothing can break a move of God like division. So we got to be people who say, you know what? What God has for us is more important than the differences between us. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus makes this huge lesson where he says, you remember this? He says, if you're worshiping the Lord and you come to worship him and you remember that you have ought against someone, what does he say? He says, leave that gift at the altar. He says, don't go any forward in, the, in your worship. Don't go any forward, forward in the worship service until first you leave that thing and you go make things right with people and then you can come back and worship me. Why? Because our worship to God is going to have an extreme limitation as long as we have division between us and people. That's not me speaking. That's God speaking. And that's really uncomfortable because most of us want it our way, our timing. We want to be right all the time. But friends, God says there's something better than you being right, and that is you having unity with other people of the same faith. The people of God were in unity about the right thing, seeking the presence of God. Number two, they decided they were going to honor God's word above all. He read aloud from daybreak to noon. Now, I didn't start at daybreak, and I do plan on finishing before noon, if that's okay with you. If you feel like you're getting ripped off, if I don't preach six hours, then I'll keep going. You just let me know. And we'll keep going. But for six hours, Nehemiah just read from Scripture. He just read what God had spoken. He just kept on reading everything that Moses and the other prophets before him had written. Do you know the, the people of God in Nehemiah's day... They were known by a lot of things, but in general, most of the other nations around them simply called them this, the people of the book. Their lives were so connected to the word of God that when people referred to them, they just referred to them as the people of the book. The way they lived their lives and the word of God were synonymous. They were this that they were intertwined. I believe that there's one thing the church of Jesus Christ needs in 2022 is we must be people of the book once again. We must understand that in Him is found our hope, in the Word of God is found our strength, in the Word of God is found our direction. And friends, anytime we move away from the Word of God, we're moving away from God Himself. I'm just praying, God, make us people of the book. And when they began to go to the book, once again, a spiritual outpouring of God came like never before. See, the people of the book, they honored the word of God. You can see that in verse number, uh, I believe it's like verse number four through six. When Nehemiah began to read the word of God at daybreak, everyone stood up. Think about this. For six hours, they stood and they listened to the Word of God. 
Tradition in that day was you would stand up to pray, you would sit down and listen. But that day they stood up. Do you know why they stood up? Because when they stood up, they were, they were displaying that someone of greater authority has just entered the room. Even, and even, even in our culture today, if you're sitting at a table and the boss walks in or a government official walks in, if someone of power walks in the room when you're sitting down at the table, what does our culture tell us to do? You stand up. Why? Because someone of authority has just entered the room. You know why the people of God stood up? Because they were understanding someone with more authority has just come into this room. Someone of more authority is speaking. And it wasn't Ezra they were standing for. They were standing for the word of God. They were saying, listen, the word of God has final and full authority of my life. Friends, if you want a spiritual breakthrough in your life today, you cannot treat the word of God like some kind of pizza buffet where you take and you leave it as you want it or don't want it, but you understand that if God spoke it, then I am committed to believe it, and if I believe it and apply it, then it's going to bring a breakthrough in my life that I cannot achieve or receive any other way. They honored the Word of God, and therefore the Spirit of God honored them. They honored the Word of God. Here's the second thing. They made room for the Word of God. They This was not like they woke up one Sunday or Saturday and decided, hey, I got a great idea. Let's let's get Ezra to read scripture to us today for like six hours. Let's do that. I think that would be fun today. We're all off work. Let's just let's do that. No, no, no. They constructed a platform so that when Ezra read the word of God, he could be seen by everyone. And he could be heard from by everyone. In other words, they went out of their way to make sure there was an opportunity in their life to hear from God. Listen, if we want spiritual breakthrough, we have to go out of our way to make sure there is a platform in which God can speak to our lives. You've done that today on Sunday morning, and I applaud you for that. I want you to keep doing that, but also to make sure that our platform from hearing from the Word of God is not limited to a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night, but we must daily take in the Word of God if we truly want a spiritual breakthrough. You know, starting in September, on September 11th, which is coming at us in a fast hurry, as a church, we're going to do start this series called 40 Days of Communion. And on that day, September the 11th, we're going to be taking communion together as a church. And then I'm going to give you a book that has 40 days of devotion that was written by myself and the staff. And, and, and we're going to challenge you to go home and for 40 days, every day, take communion in your home, read the scripture. We're giving you the scripture to read. We're giving you a devotion. We're giving a prayer to pray to try to help us Get in this habit of making room for God every single day. Why? Because I believe that the trajectory of your life will change when you get into the Word of God and the presence of God every single day. The trajectory of these people changed. The presence of God showed up. And, and really, at this point, the only difference they've made is they've decided we're going to give we're going to give priority to the Word of God. Friends, when you decide, I'm going to give priority to the Word of God, then the God of the Word will show up in your life like never before. Yeah. 
So they made his word a priority. They made room for it. They constructed a place they could hear from it. And then they responded to the word of God. They didn't just listen to it. You know, Jesus told the example in the New Testament that if someone hears the word of God, but he doesn't respond to it, it's like a person that looks in the mirror and then immediately forgets what he saw. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you looked in the mirror this morning? Right? I'm not going to say who looks like they did and who looks like they didn't, or maybe they should go back. But, you know, you know used to when I had hair, this was a major thing. I, you know, I would get, I'd get in the car and realize, oh, man, I didn't, I didn't comb my hair this morning. Now it's, I don't have to worry about that. But, but you look in the mirror. When you look in the mirror in the morning, you look in the mirror for one purpose, one person only, one purpose only, right? To see if there's something that needs to be changed. Right? Is there something out of place? Do I need to comb my hair or wash my face or whatever? Do I still have breakfast stuck in my beard? You, know, you, you look. You look in the mirror, expecting the mirror to tell you what needs to change or what doesn't need to change. When you look at the Word of God, we're supposed to look at the Word of God not to try to change the Word, but let the Word speak to us about what needs to be changed today. When the people told Ezra to read the word, the Bible says they began to weep and they began to, to cry and they began to put their face down upon the, their faces on the ground in response to what they heard. Why? Because the word of God was changing them. Do you know how you know, am I, really, am, I, am I really honoring the word like I'm supposed to? The question is simply this, when I read it, am I trying to change it or am I allowing it to change me? third way they invited the spiritual breakthrough was they took responsibility for the work of the ministry. Nehemiah chapter 10, it talks about how they begin to care for one another. If there was any of them that were in debt, they began to abide by the year of Jubilee. Every seven years they would forgive one another their debts, which is such such a, such a, you may wonder what well, well, pastor you know, that's kind of commanded they're supposed to do that but you know if you go back to chapter one or chapter two i forget what chapter it was but the first uh first couple of chapters we read one sunday where the work of god stopped because they weren't caring for one another and nehemiah had to sort of force them to begin to forgive and care for one another but now if you fast forward to chapter 10 their hearts have changed now no one's telling them you got to care for one another you got to love one another. You got to forgive one another. No one's telling them that. They're just volunteering and saying, listen, we will love. We will care. We will forgive. We will honor one another. Friends, when you begin to honor one another, Jesus said like this they will know you're my disciples if you love one another. So they begin to care for one another. They began to honor the house of the Lord. Nehemiah chapter 10, 39. They made this decree that we're not going to neglect 
the house of the Lord. We're going to serve how we can serve. We're going to honor God. If the, if the house needs fire, well, they said we're going to bring it. If the house needs sacrifices, we're going to bring it. If the, if the house of God needs food, we're going to serve it. If people need help, we're going to help them. Whatever we can do, this house of God will not be in disorder, nor will it be neglected. Listen, they said we're going to serve wherever we're needed. And their serving brought a spiritual revival that had been missing. And then they committed. They committed to give what God commanded them. They committed to give a tenth of their, of their income to, to the Lord in giving and serving. I'm just telling you, when we begin to line up our life according to what God honors, you'll discover that the honor of God begins to flow in your life. When we decide we're going to serve Him, we're going to honor Him, we're going to honor His Word, you're open the floodgate for God to come in and move as only He can. Then fourth this morning, I'm going to rewind to verse number 9 of chapter 8. Nehemiah challenged them to keep moving, keep moving forward. When we honor the Word of God as they were, they began to become aware of the shortcomings in their life. You know why some people stay away from the Word of God? You know why some people stay away from church? Because they don't want their sin exposed. They don't want, they are aware of what is wrong in them. And they're afraid if they come into the presence of God that what is wrong is going to be exposed to someone else. But moreover, they're, they know it's going to be exposed to them. And they've been trying to push it to the side. They've been trying to ignore it. They've been trying to excuse it. They've been trying to justify it. And so the last thing you know, they want to do is, is come into a place where it's going to be brought up again. And that's what's happening is, is they're hearing the Word of God they're worshiping, and now they're bowing their faces to the ground. They're weeping, and they're crying, and, and they're, the Bible says they're mourning. Why are they mourning? They're mourning over what was wrong. They're mourning over their, 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 their mistakes. They're, they're mourning over the season they just came out of where God's been speaking to them, and they ignored it. The, the, the Word is bringing conviction to their heart, and they're repenting of it. And Nehemiah says, wait, 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 stop. You've heard the word, you've repented, now get up and go rejoicing. Go home rejoicing. What's he saying? He's saying once you've heard the word of God and you've responded to the word of God, then the moment of your condemnation and mourning is done. Yeah. Right? Jesus said in the New Testament, actually... Um, it wasn't Jesus, it was Romans chapter 8, says that there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The very fact that God is dealing with you and convicting you is because he's preparing you for something more. And Nehemiah says when you sense that conviction, respond to it, and then move on. Why? Because God doesn't want you to live your whole life in mourning or regret over yesterday, but He wants you to move on to the new thing He has for you today. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. 
because we're going to pray, because God is wanting some of you to move on today. But you don't move on by ignoring what is wrong. You don't move on by ignoring what God says you missed. You don't move on by pretending everything is okay when you know the Spirit of God is telling you, hey, this is not okay. It doesn't matter what other people say. Sometimes we feel like if I get other people agree with me, then it's okay. But that doesn't matter. What matters is what does God's Word say? And they heard the Word of God, and they responded to it. They responded to it. Can I tell you this morning, Jesus in this, is in this room today. And he desires for you to have a spiritual breakthrough in your life. That those roadblocks you've been facing, those disappointments you've been facing, maybe you feel like your prayer's just been hitting the ceiling and bouncing back down. It's been going, getting nowhere. Maybe you feel like you're, you're, you've been, your efforts in healing a relationship or getting through a season just are, is getting nowhere. But can I tell you today, God is calling you forward this morning. He has a spiritual breakthrough for you. But the breakthrough doesn't come because we ignore the Word of God. It comes because we apply the Word of God. Because we respond to the Word of God. Right before I got up to preach, Cynthia came over to me. And she shared this word with me. I'm going to walk over here so she can say it and my microphone will pick it up. But, but, you, but you mentioned, oh, thank you, look at here. You mentioned some of the key words were come forward to God, right? Say that, what was it? Move forward? Move. Move. Right, move. Don't sit still. Move. Today, I think that is a a word from the Lord today. That breakthrough doesn't come as we sit still. But it comes as we move forward. As we move forward. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. You wrote that down. Was there another key word or two? He wants you to move towards the mountains. He wants you to move towards the cross. He wants you to move towards the mountains that are in your way. He wants you to move towards the things that feel like are opposing you. He wants you to move towards these things that are in the way of your promises. The things that you've been pouring into. The things that you've been praying years and years for. When you move, that's your obedience. When you move, yeah. then he can move. Yeah. If you want him to move, you've got to move first. Amen. He's knocking at your door and he wants you to move. He wants you to stand up and move to him. If you can't even have any energy to move, he just wants you to move just some part of your body. He wants you to take a step. He doesn't want you to he doesn't expect you to run the marathon. He just wants you to take that one step first. If you're holding on to your promises, you've got to move towards your promises. You've got to move to the Lord. You've got to move to the word. And so that's what I kept hearing. Church, move to me. Move to me, he says. Amen. So this morning. That's, that's going to be our closing, our closing moment. That's what I wrote down in my notes early this morning when I was just reading back over it. For our altar time, I just wrote down, if you are in need of a spiritual breakthrough, 
not just for your sake. So much of what we do is not, we, we think, oh, I need a spiritual breakthrough for me, but it's not just for us. The city of Cabot, Arkansas needs a spiritual breakthrough. And it's not going to happen around the churches, it's going to happen through the churches, right? Your family needs a spiritual breakthrough. And, and, and though I'm think, I thank God that, that God can bring a spiritual breakthrough to our homes through our kids, I don't think that's the way God intended it. I believe they should find a spiritual breakthrough every time they walk into our home because mom and dad or grandparent has already paved the way for a spiritual breakthrough because they refused to sit still. Instead, they chose to move forward in God. People of God, they didn't know what's going to happen. They just knew, hey, we're going to move forward in God. We're going we're to honor His Word. Come on, let's, let's build a platform, they said, so the Word of God can be elevated. Let's respond to what we hear. Let's put our past behind us and move forward. Nehemiah said, don't live the rest of your life in regrets of yesterday, but instead move forward. Today, every head bowed, every eye closed. There's two, two prayers I want to pray this morning. The first prayer is this. You feel like you have been trapped in the mistakes of yesterday. And every time you hear the word of God, you, you just sense condemnation, you feel regret, you feel heartbroken, you feel like you wasted years or maybe a season of your life. I think today the Lord is speaking to you. Listen, today is the move on day. Today's the day you let me erase your past, redeem your past is what God really does. He doesn't erase it, He redeems it and gives you a secure future. And whether you're close to God or far from God, today say, I need God to redeem my past. Can you just lift your hand real quick? This is me, Pastor. Pray for me. Amen. 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 Man, we serve. God is in the redemptive business. He can take our past that was ruined and make it brand new. I want to pray for every person lifted their hand. Father, I'm thankful the word reminds us in 1 John chapter 1, verse number 9. That if we will simply confess our sins, that you are faithful to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Which brings into the scripture, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far you've removed your trans our transgressions from us. God, I pray that today people will realize... Lord, they're not coming into forgiveness for the first time. Many of them, they've prayed over and over and over again, but the enemy of their soul has been lying to them and condemning them. But God, I just pray that today that condemnation stops, it ceases and desists today because the Word of God is ruling and reigning. And the Word says, who the Son is set free is free indeed, completely free, no longer bound, no longer attached, no longer associated, no longer seen in that light. But Lord, we're sons and daughters of God, co heirs with Christ. We're forgiven people, redeemed people, and people with a hope and a future. And I pray today that those who lifted their hands will walk out of this place today knowing you're calling them forward and that their past is simply that, is past. In Jesus' name. God, I pray that today. I pray that heart change, that shift change, that perspective change would happen this morning, morning because you're working in people's lives. And secondly today, church, God has been, I want to ask you to look at me now. God has been doing so many things. I've, I've, had, I've had more people come to me in the last 10 days 
and tell me what God is stirring and doing in their hearts than I've had in the last five years I've been your pastor. God is doing so many things every single Sunday. God is stirring people's hearts and doing things in people's homes and their families. That, that, that It's incredible. But friends, that, that does not happen because we're sitting and waiting on something God's God to do something. It's because we're responding to the Word personally. And if you want a personal breakthrough, then I would challenge you to do, do the things men and women did. Personally honor the Word of God. Personally apply the Word of God and see how He will move. And today you say, say Pastor, hey, I, I want to receive a personal breakthrough through today. I, I, I'm believing for a personal breakthrough for my family. I'm believing for for a breakthrough for our church. I'm believing for God to use our church as a place of breakthrough for our community. If that's in your heart today, would you join me by standing all across this room today? And we're going to just finish praying for spiritual breakthroughs all across this all across this community of believers today, all across this room. God, we just come and we seek you and we seek your best this morning. God, we seek not just the things of God, but Lord, we seek you. We seek your power. We seek your presence. We seek Lord, you personally in our lives today. And God, we're just choosing that we're going to honor the Word of God above all else. We're going to make room for the Word of God above all else. We're going to adhere to the Word of God above all else. And Lord, when you convict us, we're going to respond. Lord, we look to the Word not to find our way. We look to the Word to find your way for our lives in every given moment. And I pray that today, homes will change. Atmosphere and environments of homes will change because the Word of God is being elevated to its rightful place lakes like never before. God, you're not looking for perfection. Lord, you're just looking for people to change the direction towards you. And as people are changing the direction today, I know you're going to lead them. You're going to guide them. You're going to direct them. And you're going to fill them with a spiritual breakthrough like never before. God, I pray you'll do it in this moment today. In Jesus' name, we receive it. In Jesus' name. Would you give the Lord a hand clap for his word today? We love you. So God, I pray as their day is, may their strength be. And God, I pray you will bless them. I pray you will keep them. I pray you will shine your face upon us, give them peace and joy, both now and forever. In Jesus' name. Man, God bless you. We love you. Thanks for worshiping with us. I believe God's got spiritual breakthrough for you. Hey, join us Wednesday night for the prayer meeting at 7. Uh, If you're a first-time guest, I'll be on the front porch. I'd love to greet you and meet you on your way out. God bless you. Thanks for being here today. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the Assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you are ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day and God bless.